0: Hey, we are uh, starting a brand new series today, and I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, it's called uh, New Direction. It's called New Direction. And hands down, without a doubt in my mind, the question that I hear most from all of you, uh, more than any other question as a pastor, is tell me what God wants me to do. <laughs> I need help with that question. What does God want me to do? What, what do you think God wants me to do? Um, what is God's will for my life? And uh, so this is a series for the next few weeks about the choices that we make, about the decisions that we, that we make in life. Many of you in the room are mothers, and you made the choice um, to have children, some of you recently, some of you decades ago, and those choices radically altered the future of your life um, and the lives of, of many, uh, many others. Um, a key thought for the next few weeks is this, the choices that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow, okay? The choices we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. So important. Our choices in life matter so much. In fact, um, let me ask you this question. Who are you today? Just, Just think about that for a minute. Who are you today? Because the answer is, you are actually the result of a string of choices that you've made throughout your life that help to determine the trajectory uh, of your life. Who you will become in the future and what you'll be able to accomplish and what you'll be able to do for God in the future is going to be determined by many of the choices that you make today and from here on out for the rest of your life. And you know, let's be honest. Many of us, we're not really great decision makers. Uh, We're not, and that's why we ask that question. Um, How many of you would say, yeah, I'm not a good decision maker? How many of you um, would say, I've made a decision in life Based on a temporary emotion that changed things permanently. <laughs> maybe uh, how many of you have made a decision that you regret? Uh, maybe you made a decision that you regret after saying, "Hey, watch this." <laughs> you know, "Hey, hold my beer, watch this." You know, <laughs> that's, what, that's what some of you would say. Um, how many of you um, have ever lost your temper when you shouldn't have? How many, don't, don't raise your hand for this one, but how many of you lost your temper on the way to church this morning? Yeah. Shut up! Stop talking! We're going to worship! <laughs> Glory to God! Shut up! <laughs> but a lot of times we make choices that we regret. You know, we, we, regret, we regret the big purchase that we made. Whew, that was a mistake. Uh, we regret dating that one person years ago. You know, wish we hadn't done that. Um... I wish I didn't move here. I wish I didn't move there. And, you know, some of you right now, you have, you have significant decisions in your life that you need to be making very soon. Maybe you're a senior. It's graduation season right now. You're, you're getting ready to graduate high school. I see some nods. Um, what do I do next year? Do I go to university? Do I move away? Do I go somewhere local? Do I go to community college? There's so many choices. Um, some of you are dating somebody, and, and you know, they're pretty good, but... <laughs> But you see some things about them that you wonder, you know, if I stick with this, or that, is that actually going to change about them? Um, or am I just going to be stuck with that? Um, and, uh, you know, should I wait for someone else to come along or should I stay where I'm at? And, uh, and, you know, should I take the new job offer that has some risk? Or should I stay where I'm comfortable even though this job isn't my dream? Um, should we buy a new car should we try to keep the old one alive for six more months? What's, what's the right decision? We all face decisions. Um, I don't know, you know, should we have the third kid or should we get the snip-snip? You know, <laughs> these are big decisions. These are big decisions. And, um, and, and many, many of us want clarity. How do I get clarity? I want clarity from God on these decisions that I need to make. I want to know what the right choices are before I make them. What's interesting to me I've studied a lot about decision-making over the years, and there's actually a lot written about uh, the challenge that the, the generation known as the Millennials is having making decisions. And I'm going to clarify some things for you, because first of all, um, there's a lot of bashing that goes on about the Millennial generation, but I spend a lot of time with Millennials. Several people on our staff are Millennials. I love Millennials. I want you to know that the Millennials in this church are some of the most incredible people I've ever come across. Um, and they're movers and they're shakers, and, and, and it's phenomenal. But still, across the country, if you look at the statistics and you look at some of the research they've done, um, it's fascinating because th- they do find that this particular generation does struggle with making decisions more than the previous generation. And the biggest theory behind why it's a struggle is that this generation, the millennial generation, actually has way more choices and options available to them than the previous generation and so it's not necessarily all about them they're not lazy that's not I don't believe that it's that they have so many choices available to them and you know when some of us graduated from college or excuse me from high school it was like if you can afford it you go to college if you can't you get a job it's that simple and now it's like do I go to this college or that college do I do online college or physical college Um, do I take a super senior year do I take a year off do I go to community college do I start a business do I hope I hit it big on YouTube you know and there's there's all these choices that, that people have. So many different choices, and, and that there are many that are having a difficult time making a decision. And I understand this concept because, you know, I used to fly on airplanes a lot, and to this day, when you fly on an airplane, you're sitting there, you're bored, you want to watch a movie, there's like two choices, and you could pick. So it's an easy choice to pick which movie you want to watch. The other day, I went on Netflix one night, and you know where I'm going with this. Um, We were going to watch a movie as a family and my wife sat there while I flipped through and looked at all the choices for half an hour before we realized that it was too late we went to bed. (laughs) There's so many options that we just got frustrated and and we watched nothing. And and so so what do we have? In a lot of of ways we have the Netflix generation and there's so many options that it's difficult to actually make a decision sometimes and what happens? Is, is they're finding that many people in this generation, they, they, they want to make the perfect decision in all these areas, the, the absolute perfect decision. And so because they're not sure what the perfect decision is, they make no decision. And of course, making no decision is worse than making a not-so-perfect decision. And, and so that's kind of the, the dilemma that many people find themselves in. And the bottom line is, um, many of us, we need help making decisions. And, and so we look to the Word of God. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to get very practical. Okay, We're going to get practical. How do I know the will of God? How do I make choices that honor God? How do I decide what's the right path for me in different areas of my life? Today, though, we're not going to get that practical. We're going to build a foundation. We have to lay a foundation for the coming weeks that we can build on. And so today I want to try to answer a big question. So let me start by asking you a question. How many of you want to know God's will in your life? Okay, here's another question. How many of you if you knew for sure what God's will was in a particular area of your life, you would make that decision. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, here's the thing. Here's the big question we need to answer today before we can move on. When it comes to God's will, what does He care about? When it comes to God's will, what does He care about? And we're going to look at two thoughts today that are really important to build a foundation on in the weeks to come. What does God care about? The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. We're going to say it this way. God cares about who before do. When it comes to the will of God, God cares about who you are as a person more than what you're going to do for a living. Okay? God cares about the who before the do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 tells us this. What is God's will? I want to know God's will for my life. How do I know that? What is it? God's will is for you to be an accountant. No, that's not what it says. God's, it doesn't even say God's will for you is to be a missionary. It doesn't say that. God's will is for you to be holy. What is God's will? His will for you is more about the who, who you are, who you're becoming, than about what you're doing and what you're going to do later. God's will for you is to be holy. And there's a lot of misconceptions about the actual definition of that word. Holy doesn't mean perfect. That's not what that word means. The original Greek word translated as holy in the Bible is agios. And agios literally means to be set apart, to be different. Okay, to be different. And so if you're a Jesus follower, that means you are not to look like the world. If you're a Jesus follower, you're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to be driven by the values of the world. Um, You are not supposed to live for what this temporary world uh, deems important, but what God deems is important. You're not supposed to live for what you feel, but for what is right, in God's eyes. And, and, and that's what it means to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so this is why, also, I didn't call this series New Destination, because we never arrive. It's called New Direction, because we're heading in a direction, we're heading in a direction where we're becoming more and more like Jesus every day. In fact, when you look at Jesus, what's really interesting, if you look at the teachings of Jesus and what he talked about, Jesus never talked about people's careers, and that's one of the biggest questions that, that I hear. What am I supposed to do for a living? I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do for work. I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. Jesus never talked about careers. He didn't, he didn't say, you're called to be this, you're called to be that, you're called to be, you know, because we, am I called to be a teacher? Am I called to be a, a, an accountant? What am I called to be? He didn't talk about that. What did Jesus talk about? He talked about the who way more than the do. Jesus doesn't talk about vocational career. Jesus talks about character. Jesus talks about who you are as a human, who you are inside, and that's who you're supposed to be. In fact, the only time that Jesus actually brought up somebody's job was when he told them, hey, I want you to leave this job and follow me. <laughs> that's when he talked about job. Um, who before do? And, and so the question that people essentially ask is, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? But a better question would be this, and this would change our life if we ask this question instead every day. Who does God want me to become? Who does God want me to become? If you'll start there, that truth, the who, will eventually lead you to the right do. But you've got to start there. Become who God wants you to be. To Jesus, the who always comes before the do. For example, let me, let me ask you a question. And please be kind, because you could really depress me and ruin my day. But um, how many of you, uh, by show of hands, would, would be willing to say, Jared, I believe it's God's will that you're a pastor. and My mom was here last night. Her hand was really high. Um, I wish she was here today. But um, I'm going to argue with that for a minute and and disagree in a way. I'm going to tell you that I believe God's secondary will and purpose for me may be to be a pastor. But his primary will for me in my life is that I would be holy. That's his primary will for me. Um, His primary will is more about my character than it is my job. A pastor is not who I am. I've said that before. A pastor is what I do. That's what I do, but it's not who I am. That's not what defines my identity. Um, For example, you would agree with this probably. I could be a pastor and be completely outside of God's will, right? I could be a pastor and be completely separated from the heart of God, and we see that sometimes. Um, for example, if I preach a really good message, it's one of the best you've ever heard, but I'm abusive to my wife, I'm outside of God's will, aren't I? If I'm the best preacher in the whole city of Isalia, but I'm abusive to my children, I'm outside of God's will, right? If I'm a very charismatic leader who, who leads a church and gets thousands of people to follow me, and I lead them down a path, and they all follow me there, but I don't have integrity. I'm not inside God's will, am I? No, I'm not. So that's how that works. Um, If I sit on the couch all day and I don't pay my bills and support my wife and children or even try, I'm outside of God's will, right? Because I'm not being responsible. Um, Because who matters before do Who I am as a person, and I believe that God would rather me do anything other than be a pastor if I'm not a man of integrity. And I believe that God would have me be anything in this world other than a pastor if I'm not becoming more like Jesus every day. You see, it's who I am that matters more than what I do. God's more concerned with the who than the do. So how does this apply to you? Because you hear these questions, should I date this person or not? I'm going to tell you it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Date the person while living with integrity and serving Jesus. And make sure they're doing the same. I'll tell you that. Do what God would call you to do as you're dating this person. Worry about who you are. Be the right who when you're dating someone and serve Jesus there. I, I hear young people say all the time, I wish I could find Mr. Right. Be Mrs. Right first, and then Mr. Right will come along. And vice versa, man. Um, should I stay in this place or should I take a job somewhere else? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are. Wherever you are, serve Jesus there. That's the point. Should I major in, in business or should I major in education? Whatever you major in, serve Jesus there. And be who he calls you to be in that major, in that situation. Before you think about the do in the future, think about the who in the present. So instead of just saying, like many of us say, what do you want me to do in the future, God? What do you want me to do with my future? Ask this question. Who do you want me to become in the present? Who do you want me to become today? Start with the who. God's will in our life is that we're becoming more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Step by step, we're following after Him. We're becoming more like Him. We're getting to know Him intimately. What does God care about? What is God's will? It's the the who before the do. Okay? Okay. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is God's will is why before what. He cares about the why before the what. I don't know if you've heard this before. Motives matter to the heart of God. Your motives matter. Scripture says it this way. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. He says, you may think everything you do is right. In other words, we have the undeniable ability to deceive ourselves. The heart is deceitful above all things. He says, you may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Motives matter to God. In fact, there's an old saying that there's two reasons that we do everything we do. There's the reason we tell people we do it, and there's the real reason. Because we want to act like we're doing everything we do for the right reasons and the pure reasons, but oftentimes we're not. For example, some of you, let's just take moms, it's Mother's Day, Um, Some of you moms in the room and dads, you have a child who is a master at buttering you up. And so it's like, Mommy, I love you. Mommy, you're the best mom in the whole. Mommy, you know, I could have had any mommy, but God gave me you, and I'm so grateful, and there's no better mommy on the face of the earth. Can I snuggle with you, Mommy? I love you so much, Mommy. I'll never stop loving you. Mommy, can I have a puppy? See, motives matter. Motives matter to God, and they matter to mommy. Off topic a little bit, but it applies here. Here's a a little prayer tip. Here's a prayer tip. Anytime that you pray a prayer that's found in Psalm 39, write that down, Psalm 39. Anytime you pray a prayer from Psalm 39, it's going to be a really powerful prayer. For example, search my heart, O God. See if there's any offensive way in me and instead lead me in the way everlasting. You see that? God, search my heart and see if my motives are offensive or if they're pure, and then lead me into the right motives. I had to think about that this week, and it's scary to me how often my motives are impure. I'm doing all the right things sometimes, but when I really look at why and the motives, They're not really that Jesus centered as they should be sometimes. And um, if I take the time to just be really honest before God, sometimes it's horrifying how often my motives are me centered instead of Christ centered or others centered. And we need to look at that because it's about what I want often. And so here's the problem it's almost impossible to get to the right destination with the wrong motives, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to get to the right destination when you start with the wrong why. The why matters so much to God. Examine your motives. What is God's will? What does God want me to do? You going to buy the car? Why? Why are you going to buy the car? Is it because you can afford it and you need reliable transportation? Or is it because I can't afford it, I'm going to make a huge mistake because I want a status symbol? Ask the why. Why? ask the why. The why is where we need to start. Nobody said amen. Um, it's quiet. Um, if you're complimenting somebody, are you being genuinely sincere or are you trying to get something from them? Are you trying to build them up and encourage them with the compliment by, through, and love them through it? Or are you trying to make them think better of you by complimenting them? If you're posting a photo on social media, is it because you want to share something that's meaningful to you and share the goodness of God with those connected to you? Or are you posting it because you want everybody to see how powerful, important, or cool you are? Man, look at my new shoes. You know? And I love new shoes. But look at your motives. Look at your motives. You know, I want everybody to see my fit bod. You know? Or whatever it is for you. Think about the motives and why... You're doing that. What is the motive behind it? Why before what? Who before do? Paul said it really powerfully. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? This is what Paul said in Colossians 3.17. He said, and whatever you do. Can you say that out loud with me? Whatever you do. Again, whatever you do. So whether you're an entry-level worker or you run the company, whatever you do, Whether you're the student or you're the teacher of the class, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, what are we to do? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you serve Christ. And you do it to honor Him. Wherever you live, whether it's where you want to end up or not, you serve Him there. Whatever you're doing for education right now, whether it's the end goal or not, you serve Him there. Whoever you're dating, you serve him there. And, you know, so you might say, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, and I'm just up to my neck all the time in laundry and poop. Well, you make sure that that's the cleanest laundry and the cleanest butt cracks you've ever seen. (laughs) Some of you are too serious. (laughs) You're praying for your child. You're discipling your child. You're in that season for a reason and it's actually more of a calling than I would say any vocation. Okay, moms? You may say, I'm a student right now. Um, That's all I do right now, but I've got goals one day. No. I'm going to do something big one day. Listen, be the best student you can be exactly where you are and then move on to other things. Be faithful with the small thing you're doing if you think it's small and then God will let you move on to bigger things. Okay? Serve Jesus where you are. You know, people say, one day I'm going to be a missionary overseas. You should probably be a missionary here in Visalia first. It's a lot harder over there, guys. (laughs) Um, You know, I I hear that. I want to be a pastor one day and lead massive amounts of people to Jesus. When's the last time that you had a conversation with somebody in your circle about Jesus? Be faithful with where you're at. And then you can move to bigger things. That's what God teaches. Be faithful where you are. You know, I'm going to be something someday, but right now, I'm just a fast food worker. I just, I'm a fry guy. You make the best fries you've ever tasted in your life, and one day you'll be doing burgers. <laughs> and then you do that with the best of you, and then eventually you'll be, and because I've seen this, you'll, I know people that started there, and now they're the manager over whole chains. Okay, The point is, wherever you are, instead of saying, God, what's the next big thing you have out there for me? Be faithful right where you're at, and then the next big faithful thing will come. Okay, When you serve Jesus right here, then he'll take you to the right there. You don't have to always struggle so much to make the decision. Sometimes it's that we're not really following him with where we are right now. And, you know, when you're in leadership, a lot of times people on your team ask you, what's next, what's next, what's next? And I love that question. It's a great question because people are getting excited about what's next. But the answer is always going to be the same. Before we get to what's next, let's be more faithful with where we're at right now. Let's build where we're at right now. Let's do with excellence where we're at right now. Let's serve Jesus and love people as much as we can where we're at right now, and then we'll move on to the next big thing. This is a big Mistake that a lot of people make. People look at somebody who's really successful and they think, man, they must have had a couple of really big decisions in their life that got them there. Mm -mm. People look at somebody who's making a big difference in serving God and, and they think, man, they must have had some really big decisions that they made to get there. They made the right choices. No, it was the daily thousands of choices that they made over years, the small things being faithful in those, and now they're being used to do big things. Thousands of daily decisions. Countless decisions of denying self, dying to self, day after day. Who before do, why before what. And when we get those right, then God leads us step by step into the right places. Don't get me wrong, God is calling you. God placed a calling on every single one of your lives. But the calling isn't always about What am I supposed to do next? It's about who am I supposed to be that I'm not yet? And who am I becoming? In fact, um, I know it's Mother's Day, but I need to use this as an illustration. I want to tell you about a few of the more influential men in my life. Um, I've bragged on a lot of men before. Um, My dad is one of my heroes. Uh, He was not raised in in a home of faith. He was not raised as a Christian in childhood. Um, And yet, he still came to recognize the truth for what it was, and then owned his own faith. He's been faithful to one wife his entire life, and will be till the day he dies. Um, He raised us in the church, uh, knew how important it was. Um, He worked hard, many times in jobs that he did not love, because he needed to support his family while we were growing up. And what he did is worthy of applause and honor. What he did, the things he did, okay? Okay. My pastors, I've had several pastors over the years, and uh, I wouldn't be here today without them. One of my pastors named Irwin. he completely shattered the way that I thought about church in a good way, in a biblical way. Um, Pastor Scott, who gave me opportunity when nobody else would. Pastor Steve, who agreed to be my mentor for a year when nobody else would. Other leaders who helped me learn to think for myself and learn how to lead and, and make the right decisions, and just so many men in my life that have influenced me. But I don't want to talk about them right now because I just told you all the things they did that influenced me, but there's one man who influenced me more than any other man that I've ever met. And let me tell you what, um, let me tell you about him. But before I tell you about who he is, let me tell you about what he did not do. He never started a church. He was never a senior pastor. I don't know if he ever even preached a sermon. He never started a business or started a nonprofit organization or did any of those things that we consider big. Um, but who he is impacted me more than any other man I ever came in contact with. Not because of anything he did, but who he was. And there's a difference. Because this man is a discipler. That's how I would define him. He's a discipler. It's who he is. Since I've known him more than 15 years He has always, every time of the year, had a small group in his house. Constantly sitting down with people, leading them to be more like Jesus, helping them become better followers of Jesus. In fact, if any of you were ever in one of his small groups, you are more like Jesus, hands down, because you were in his small group. And it wasn't because he was leading a small group, it was because you were connected to him and it was because of who he is. That's the impact. He's discipled more men than anybody else I know one-on-one. Anybody that would come to him. You have an addiction, he sits down with you. You're struggling with sin, he sits down with you. You have a question about the Bible, he sits down with you. Quietly, nothing public, day after day, week after week, year after year, breakfast, meet with you, lunch, dinner, go to coffee. This guy listens and then gently leads people in the right direction, which is toward Jesus Christ. Um, This man is a giver. I don't think there's ever been a time he wasn't a giver. He's a tither, always a tither. I don't think he ever earned a single dollar that he didn't give 10% back to God. Never these massive big gifts, which are always great too, but always consistent, always faithful in everything that I saw him do. This guy, every time that he sends me a text message, it's always so meaningful. I just want to let you know I love you, man. I'm praying for you today. Here's what I'm praying for you this week. Every time I see him, how's it going in your life, Jared? What are you struggling with? How can I be here for you? How have you been growing in your faith? He'll talk about what's in the word. And and let me tell you about this guy. What he does vocationally, what he does for a living, is completely irrelevant to the impact that he's had on my life. It means absolutely nothing. Who he is spiritually is what's impacted me. Who he is has shaped what I've become. And when I see him, I want to be more like him because he is more like Jesus Christ than I am. I want to be around him. I want to grow through him. Not what he does, but who he is as a man has impacted me. And so, so many people go through life and they ask the question, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? A better place to start is who does God want me to become? Who does God want me to be? And you know, this, this season of my life that I'm in right now, it, it's hands down my favorite season I've been in, okay? And I've said that about most seasons of my life, but, but I mean it. This is my, my favorite season of my life. I have an amazing wife. We're, we're, our marriage is going so well. We have two beautiful kids. Um, God's doing huge stuff through the ministry here at Rise Church. I'm just really loving this season of my life. I, I'm not complaining. I, I, have, I have a lot to be thankful for, um, But when you do a series like this about God's will and decisions and how they shape your whole future and all this stuff and becoming who God wants you to be instead of focusing on all the tasks and what he wants you to do, it makes you start to evaluate things in your own life. And so I've been thinking about that a lot this week. And, you know, I'm pretty young. I hope I have a ton of life left in me. I believe I do. Um, But you start thinking about things, even at my age, like I thought about, you know what? I hope that one day I get to die in a bed. (laughs) I do. I'm going to be honest with you. I hope I get to die in a bed, and I hope that my wife is there next to me, because if she goes before me, those of you that know me know I'm done. And I just pictured myself holding her hand and talking in those last hours. And here's, here's what entered my mind. None of the stuff that we will be talking about if I get to that point in life, it's not what you think. We're not going to be talking about, hey, remember the time, babe, when, when we started a church from nothing? We're not going to talk about that. Hey, remember the time that, 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 uh, that I preached and then 17 people got baptized in one day? Remember, we're not going to talk about that. Remember when Rise Church grew from 100 people to over 600 people in the first two years? We're not going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about as I hold her hand, if I get that opportunity, is hopefully the 60 years of being faithfully serving each other. 60 years of loving her and loving each other like Christ loved the church. God willing, our kids at that point are on the right track, talking about how who we were as, as people Influenced them to follow Christ in their adult life. Not the things we did, but who we were. Talking about those moments. You know, let me tell you what we'll remember in those moments. Stuff none of you know about. The private victories that that you may never hear about. Private decisions that we've made. Struggles, sacrifices, private pain. Because we didn't set out to do the do, but to become the who. Every day, just trying to be faithful to Jesus. And, you know, I'll think about in those days the countless stories of, of, of victories that are not public victories that you all see, but the private ones, like yesterday when I was going over my notes in the morning, preparing for the sermon that I did last night, and, and my son's sitting there, and he just says, Daddy, sit on the ground, play with me. And for a split second, I no, i gotta, I got to finish this. This is important. And then I shut the computer, I put it down, and I sat down, and I played with him. That's a, that's a victory. That's a victory. That's something that who I was being in that moment is forever going to shape who he becomes later in life. And in those moments in the future, I hope that I shut it down that day, put the computer down, and just spend more time with my son. And, and I just always want to think about the who long before the do. Because what matters to God is going to matter to me and it's going to matter to us. Think about Jesus. We'll close here. Think about Jesus. Think about what he endured. The people who he came to love the most, the deepest, are the people that turned on him, hated him, killed him, tortured him beyond recognition. He didn't even look like a human anymore when they were done with him. How do you think he endured that? Why do you think he didn't just call down angels from heaven like he had the power to do poof, splat, kill them all? <laughs> I'm free. Instead, he just endured what seems like the impossible. How did he do what he did? It's because he knew who he was, and he knew why he had come. Who was he? Son of God, God in the flesh. Why did he come? To bring freedom, to fulfill God's purpose. He came not to be served, by the way, God in the flesh came to serve. He came to give his life as the ransom for others. How did he do what he did? He knew who he was and he knew why he came. When you want to do something big in the future, be who God has called you to be today. That's got to be where you start. I want to do something big for God. Do something small today. Because when you're faithful with a little, guess what? God leads your steps to something bigger. That's how it works. I want a calling. I want a calling. Be faithful here, and he'll lead you to there. Okay? You want a calling? Love. That's a calling. You want a calling? Serve. That's a a calling. That's a calling. Because if you're not loving and serving, it doesn't matter what you're doing in your calling. (laughs) It doesn't matter what job you have, where you move, what you do. You got to be who God calls you to be. And when you look at the teachings of Jesus, again, they're not about career. It's all about people. Love God and love people. That's the greatest commandment he gave. Love God and love others. And that's a reflection of who we're supposed to be today. Here's the power. Here's the power. When you get the who right, then you get to the right do. Okay? When you get the why right, then the what you're doing actually has power. But you've got to have the right motives. Instead of obsessing about what's out there, be faithful with what's right here. And when you're faithful with what's right here, you'll end up at the right there. Man plans his purposes, but God directs our steps. Step by step by step. And that's why when I'm being conformed to the image of Jesus, I don't have to worry about the future like Jesus says. He will take me step by step, not toward a new destination, but in a new direction. And that's the point of this series. Every single day, I'm following you. I'm becoming more like you. I'm getting to know you better. And some of you are going, well, great. I wanted some direction. I wanted to make a decision and know God's will. This was unhelpful. It's going to get more practical starting next week. But we had to lay this foundation because if we're not focusing on this first and foremost, nothing we talk about in the next three weeks matters. It doesn't matter. You've got to start here. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. That's the last point. And then the second last point (laughs) is, if you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what? Let me say those again. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what? You ready for this? Here's the end. Whatever you do, so pause. Whatever you do, okay. whoever you're dating, wherever you live, whatever your job is, whatever school you go to, whatever current life status you're in, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Do not worry about the do out there. Worry about the who right here. Jesus will lead you to the right do when you get the right who. It's not about us. It's about conforming to the image of Jesus and becoming more and more like him every day and Him guiding your steps. And when He does that, and you trust Him in that, He will do as He promises exceedingly and abundantly more than you have ever asked or imagined. And I see it day in and day out. The people who become the who that He calls them to be start to do more of the things He calls them to do and see Him work through them.